I want to open our service with a reading from John chapter 6. We'll read verses 35 through 40. And this will set the stage for everything we're going to do in this service. It's a communion service today. The passage says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now today, all through the service, we're going to hold up Jesus Christ, God's own Son, And remember that he is the bread of life. So we will look upon him, just as he said in this passage, and we'll renew our belief in him as the bread of life, as our Savior, as our Lord. And uh, perhaps if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior, as the Lord, as the bread of life, perhaps the Lord would make that happen this morning as well. Uh, Communion services are a special time for us. Uh, And as we remember Jesus in this way, we find life real life in Jesus Christ. We will hunger no more. We'll thirst no more. We'll find the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the um, comfort that we all crave, that we look for in so many things, but it is only to be found in Jesus Christ, the bread of life. That's what the whole service will be about today. What Jesus says here sounds grotesque, is provocative. It does sound like cannibalism. That's what they thought in verse 52. The Jews' second objection says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? I don't want to eat him. What is he talking about? So what you would think is that Jesus would be like, No, no, no. I'm using a figure of speech. Obviously, I don't want you to come over here and like gnaw on my arm. Settle down. Here's what I mean. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he does what Jesus does often, and he makes it even worse. He makes it sound even worse. He makes it sound even more provocative. Look at verse 53. So Jesus said to them, they just said, ooh, gross, what do you mean we have to eat your flesh? And he says to them in verse 53, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, And drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54 Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Eat Jesus' flesh, drink Jesus' blood, feed on Jesus' flesh. What is going on here? Now, I think one reason he got so graphic and so provocative was he was trying to shake loose these people that just, they were not going to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They just wanted free bread. 
Remember, he fed all those people miraculously with the loaves just a little bit before this. I think he's just trying to shake them off of him. No, I'm not a welfare king that's just going to keep giving you loaves of bread and fish. I am the bread of life. And they weren't getting it. And he, I think he's just trying to just let me get on about my business. Because if you'll look on a little further, most people do leave at this point. Almost all these people who are following him around do say, that's just too much, and they leave. But John Piper really helped me figure this out a little bit. I was reading some of his writings, and he pointed something out to me that I hadn't noticed. And that's the parallel between verse 40 and verse 54. And so I have it here for you to look at the parallel, and I think it'll help us understand what it means to feed on the flesh of Jesus Christ. Verse 40 says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes... In him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And then verse 54, which we just read, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So I think when he says, feed on my flesh and drink my blood, he's saying in a very graphic, grotesque way, look upon me and believe. To feed on the flesh of Jesus Christ is to look upon what he did for us on the cross and believe. To receive it as real and for us. Believing in his words and his works. Trusting in him for salvation and lordship. And again, I know some of you are probably thinking, we get this. We're church people. We've heard it a billion times. But there are all these sneaky alternatives to this kind of belief that creep in to our lives and to our hearts. That short circuit everything. So we have to keep coming back to the body and blood of Jesus Christ, lest we get off course. You know, there's what they were struggling with, sort of the welfare belief that Jesus is a good king and he'll give us good stuff and we'll enjoy it. But we're going to keep living our lives and we'll go to him when we need some bread and some fish. We'll go to him when we're having some financial trouble. We'll go to him when we're having some medical trouble. But mainly, I'm just going to live my life. You know, these people wanted Jesus to be a king, and he refused because he's not a king. He's the king. And to believe and trust and follow Jesus Christ is all-consuming. You know, there's the alternative to true belief, which is a, a religious morality. This is what the Pharisees had going for them. You know, we can sidestep just true unadulterated belief in Jesus Christ and instead embrace religious morality where we just try to be good people, at least better than those people. And we consider ourselves Christians because we applaud the Christian morality. But that's not belief in Jesus Christ. You can applaud the Christian morality and not believe in Jesus Christ. Or, what, and this I think is the most dangerous for us, is that we can fall into the trap that the disciples may have fallen into just before this. And that is accepting just sort of an association with Jesus in place of belief in Jesus. This, this short circuits everything because we go to church and we identify as Christians and we, we like Jesus and we like what he stands for and we want to be associated with Jesus. We want people to think we're Christians. Maybe we bring our Bible with us to work. But all the while, we're not still believing in him. We're not consuming his flesh and blood. We're not living off the power that comes from the sacrifice that he gave on the cross. My biggest fear as your pastor is, is not low attendance. 
it's high attendance of people who are missing Jesus and just getting church. So communion brings us back. Communion rips everything away, everything except for the broken body of Jesus Christ. And here we stand in front of the broken body of Jesus Christ and we see who we really are, where we really stand. The bread that Jesus gives is his flesh. Feeding is believing. And finally, as we head into communion, belief leads to life. So we have to remember that we don't just need improvement. We need total newness, total new birth. You know, when you come to Jesus, you're not just sort of a work in progress that needs a little help. You're an absolute train wreck. In fact, actually what the Bible would say is that spiritually speaking, you're dead. You're a corpse. Okay? If you're a corpse spiritually and you come to Jesus Christ, you don't just need like a new bow tie and for your hair to be combed and just to be prettied up a little bit. You need something way more dramatic. You need resurrection. And so that's what Jesus is always offering. Now, we don't always want complete resurrection. You know, speaking of HGTV, uh, I was watching HGTV one time. Not at our house. We don't have that. Um, we're holier than that. Um, but they, it was some show. I don't remember the name, but you might know what it is. But it's a show where um, people go and they look at three different houses and they're all a mess. And they're working with a couple who can like fix it up real quick. And they have to pick which house it is. Um, and so they went and one of the houses was just the most awful condition I've ever seen. It just looked like the worst house imaginable. You would think that they would have to completely bulldoze it to the ground and rebuild. But they were able to renovate it. They stuck with that same structure and they were able to renovate it and they made it into a beautiful house. You're worse than that house. You can't be rebuilt. You bring nothing to the equation. There's nothing in us that's any good that he rebuilds. It's total, total demolition, total rebuild from the ground up. Rebirth, new creation. Communion reminds us of that. That's why it's so important that we come back to this so regularly. You know, there's some physical problems that you can solve by going to the gym, but there's some that are only solved by like heart transplant. Spiritually, we are dead in our unbelief until we are made new through belief in Jesus Christ. What does this belief unto life look like? Well, Jesus sort of elaborates on that starting at verse 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Abides in me and I in him. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, whoever looks upon the Son and believes in him, they live in me, they abide in me, and I live or abide in them. They take up residency in me, and I take up residency in them. Okay, that's way more in-depth than uh, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, they'll go to church most of the time. And even stay awake most of the time that they're in church. It's way more than that. It's way more than that. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Abiding in Jesus and Jesus in us 
until we can say with Paul what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. And this is sort of where we'll land before we partake of the elements. Galatians 2.20. Believing in Jesus Christ in this way as the bread of life leads to Jesus abiding in us and us abiding in Jesus until we can say with Paul in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's not the same house anymore. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a life that can only be explained by connection with God through Jesus Christ. It's living in the light without fear, shame, guilt, secrecy, because our sins are fully known by God and fully forgiven by God, fully cleansed. It's living in alignment with the truth because we trust and follow Jesus Christ. It's living by the words of God, not by our own gut instinct. Because we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. It's living in relationship with God the Father. Not living on our own with some Christian sprinkles on top. It's living in relationship with the Father. It's living with joy and peace that's that's beyond circumstances. It's living in freedom from sin and self. It's living to worship, serve, and disciple. And it's living forever. It's a... In Jesus Christ, we have a life that is so alive that even physical death can't stop it. And so we turn to the communion elements, and I want to, I want to turn to them with this mindset, that Jesus is the bread of life. That this is not a, just a kind of a funny religious quirky thing that we do, that this is a vital remembrance of Jesus' body and blood broken for us. That this is a simplification of everything. That we just land back together, huddled at the foot of the cross. Thank God we have Jesus. Meredith and I were talking yesterday. Uh, She was having her quiet time and I was still praying through all this, getting ready for this morning. And she read a psalm that was just really good. It was just a really rich, good psalm about how good God is to us and we were talking and, you know, we were just saying, man, what we have in Jesus is so good. I mean, think about what we have through Jesus Christ. I mean, first and foremost, we have God. We have a reconciled relationship with God himself. And we have all of our deepest, darkest, secret sin forgiven. You know, God doesn't forgive you because he hasn't found out about that thing yet. He knows. And through Jesus Christ, full forgiveness, full acceptance, full embrace through Jesus Christ. We have reconciliation with God. We have reconciliation with one another. We get to enjoy all this together. That psalm she was looking at was all about how attentive God is, how near he is. You, you enclose me behind and before. You know all my thoughts. We have the word. We have God's word for us. We have all these awesome, awesome things through Jesus Christ. 
And yet sometimes it just, it seems like it's not enough. What more do we need? We've got everything. What more do we need? Yeah, as a, as a pastor, you know, I, and I see it in my own heart too, but I, I'm regularly shocked at how we turn from that and we just want something else. Yeah, it's the frustration of a mother who worked hard to put a meal on the table that's good and hot and steaming and healthy and nutritious. And the kids are like, do we have to eat that? In my table, there's some wheeling and dealing that gets started. The kids are like, well, I'll eat. How about if I eat all that or at least these two out of three things on my plate, then can I get this, this candy and the dish or dessert? And we're like, no, eat your food. We worked hard on this. This is good. You'll develop a taste for it, I promise. Or else you'll shrivel up and die. You'll have just so much sugar coursing through your veins. But we're just like that with God. He's given us all this through Jesus. And we're like, eh, okay. That bread's okay. But can I have this? You know, this church is only offering Jesus Christ. I need a church that offers something else. Because that is not going to cut it. I'm going to go down. There's 10 churches on my road alone. So I'll keep going to each church like a buffet. And I'll find the church that, that ha- you know, I, want, I wanted to talk about Jesus. But really, I need some other kinds of bread. Yeah, I think when we're in that mindset, we're missing everything. I think we just missed everything. Now, what this ought to be is a bunch of humble people just so grateful. So grateful. So grateful. That God did not look down on Matt Broadway and my sin and say, enough, and just destroy me. Instead, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, so I could be forgiven and brought into relationship with him. I don't care who I have to be side by side with to go and receive that. We've got everything we could possibly need. Everything we could possibly need. Anything else that a church could offer you will leave you just as empty as you came. But Jesus Christ will leave you full to overflowing. Communion reminds us that Jesus is all we have and Jesus is all we need. At the end of the day, and there will be an end of the day, when we're on our deathbeds and we no longer have our physical health and we no longer have our our career endeavors and we no longer have our good looks or whatever it might be. You know, naked we came into this world, naked we, we will leave. And one day, the only thing that will remain is our connection with the eternal God through Jesus Christ. And some people will realize they don't have a connection with the eternal God through Jesus Christ. And other people will realize everything that their hearts have desired now that they've been made new is about to be fulfilled. They're going to be with their father forever. Communion reminds us of these things. Jesus is the bread of life. We're about to partake in these communion elements. And we, the way we do it here is it takes a little bit of time. We sort of take our time and we, we pass out the bread and then everybody comes back and then I'll give it to the deacons and then we partake of that and then we pass out the drink 
and the deacons all come back and I serve them and then we drink and it's, it's designed to have some space so that we can do this thoughtfully. Um, if you did get this, there's some scriptures on it and I want, I want you to consider these before we partake of these elements. What Jesus did in giving his flesh for us is way too serious for us to take lightly. And so we have some scriptures to meditate on as we enter into this communion service. And I'll read them for you. Matthew 5, the full passage is 21 through 26. This is just part of that. Jesus taught, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. The principle here as we approach communion is, if there's any compartment of your life into which you have not allowed the grace of Jesus Christ to come and reveal sin so that you could just be like, oh, I'm sorry, confession, repentance, set it aside, be forgiven by Jesus and whomever you sinned against, you need to deal with that before you partake of the elements. And that may mean that you don't partake of the elements today because you've got somebody you need to go talk to first. And that's okay. The second scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Now, there's a lot that needs explaining in that passage. But for now, the principle is examine your, yourself before the Lord as we move into these elements. Community is a, a chance to just clear it all out. Uh, the fearful sins that you've been hiding, the blind spots that you've been ignoring, but you know are there. This is the time to just come clean before the Lord about all these things. So don't take the elements if you know there's something in your life that's not right. Now this one, I don't think you got to go anywhere. I would encourage you to repent before the Lord right now and let him humble you in these matters right now and partake of the elements. And finally, 1 John 1, 5 through 10. If we say we have fellowship with him, God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now this, to me, is strangely comforting because I realize I'm not the only one who struggles with sin. Now I don't know what sins you struggle with. I know what sins I struggle with. But I do know that you struggle with sin because the Bible teaches that we all do. Um, and there's a sense in which that's okay if, when the Lord reveals these things to us, we will repent and be humbled and receive the, the cleansing grace of Jesus Christ. 
Um, there's a sense in which it's not okay if we remain hardened in our sin and refuse to admit it before God. So, with these things in mind, we're going to turn to Jesus together as the bread of life. And I want to begin that with a, a time of quiet prayer before I invite the deacons to come forward. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for giving your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he gave his flesh to us so that we could live. Lord, please help us to receive it. And if there's any sin in our hearts, if there's any sin in our hearts, in our lives that we need to confess and repent of before we can do so with a clearing and clear conscience, Please reveal that to us. We often don't even realize what we're doing. And then we're often too afraid to face up to what we're doing. Or please help us to overcome those hurdles. Father, I just personally want to thank you for forgiving me. And I just confess publicly before your people that I don't deserve that. I certainly don't deserve to be able to serve them as their pastor. I certainly don't deserve to be able to serve these communion elements to anybody. But man, your grace is so rich and lavish and complete. And even though we're such a mess... I'm just so thankful that you are willing to forgive us. So before we take these elements, Father, I pray that you would just clear everything out. Let us bring no sins with us to this table. Let us bring no self-righteousness with us to this table. No hypocrisy, no self-justification, no grudges or unforgiveness. Let us come humbly, together, united to this table to receive your grace through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.